0: Well, good morning. Welcome to church. I am glad that you are participating today with church. I hope that you've enjoyed the singing. I want to once again thank uh, the praise team, musicians, those that are on the cameras, those that are on the PA system, and And uh, all those that are just helping to make sure that we can continue to meet as a church family uh, through this time. And as Pastor Chris just mentioned, we do have some plans for the month of May. And so I hope that you'll stay engaged. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to you coming out and seeing you in the drive-in service uh, in just a couple weeks. Now, we don't know what the plan is through June. We're just taking this just a little bit at a time. And uh, at this point, we're just planning the month of May. I know some churches are doing their best to get back into services. We're praying through that. We're seeking the Lord. And uh, if you'll just stay uh, watching, and we'll make sure that you get the information as soon as possible. Um, But I'm glad that you are watching today. And I'm praying that the Lord would bless you in a great, great way. If you're a guest here with us, you normally don't attend Montclover Road Baptist Church, I want to thank you for being a part of our church today. I know we have people watching all over uh, America. We We have missionaries that are watching from all over the world, our services, and I'm glad that you're part of our church today. I'm excited for what God is doing in our church. I'm glad that over these last several weeks, we haven't just closed up and not been able to have church. We even are doing much more than just meeting here on Sunday mornings as well through a video. Every single week, as you have learned and been a part of, we have gone into this community and we have given the gospel to hundreds and hundreds of people and it's because of your generosity because your involvement because you realize that the church isn't just in these walls, but we are uh, the body of Christ, and our responsibility, even during times of tragedy, is to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every single creature. We've been able to support our missionaries uh, throughout this time as well, and so they're able to stay on the field, they're able to continue witnessing and sharing the gospel all around this world, and I praise God for that. I have something before we get into the service, Acts chapter 16. If you're there in your Bibles, heat up your cup of coffee, get comfortable. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16. But before we do that, I am going to just give you something that we're praying over. And uh, I'm really excited about this. This is going to be the biggest outreach opportunity that we've had over these last several weeks. And it's going to take all of us to do this. It's, it's huge. We are continuing to feed families every week. We've 30 families we've committed to, children that used to get food at their schools. You are uh, helping to continue to, every single week, you're delivering the food. You're, you're buying the food. You're picking it up and, and paying for it. And thank you, church, for that. And we're not going to stop doing that. Every week, we're able to help with families that have lost their jobs, families that are going through difficulties, families that are hurting. We're going out into our community, seeking people, trying to find them. And every time we do these things, this past week, we went to the Kroger there in Waterville and purchased lunch for uh, all of their employees, thanking them for serving our community. But we're doing more than just feeding them, we're giving them the gospel every single time. And that's what this is all about getting into our community and giving the gospel. This thing, this outreach opportunity that we're going to do in the next 10 days or so, it won't be done this week, it'll be done the following week because it's going to take so much work. We want the entire church or whoever is watching, maybe you're not a part of Monclover Baptist Church, but you want to help with this. You can help in many different ways. We're going to go into the Toledo Police Department and we are going to serve them when they change shifts. And so they're working 12 hour shifts, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And we made a phone call and have begun to put this in place. And this is hundreds of police officers. At six o'clock in the evening, the, the 12 hour shift will be going home and the new shift will be coming on. And during that shift break, We want to supply dinner to every single Toledo police officer. Now, it doesn't just end there. Also, what we want to do is we want to give every single police officer that's working on that day a done book. That book's just a small pamphlet, a small booklet, and it tells them the difference between religion and Christ. It's not religion is is you must do something to earn favor with God. Jesus Christ said, I'll go. He gave his life. We just simply have to receive that free gift of salvation. And we're going to give every police officer that done book. And we're praying that they'll read that, they'll find truth, and they'll accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, this is how you can help. Number one is it's going to cost. And you've been so faithful over these last several weeks. And I'm going to ask that you would help us with this endeavor as well. It's the meal, it's also this done book that we wanna put in the hands of every single police officer. But we're also gonna ask you as families, help in another way. I would like to in that with, along with a meal in that done book, I would like to give every single police officer in Toledo a personal note from someone. Maybe this is something you could have your kids do, they could do more than one. Color a picture, write a note, Maybe you as a family could just simply write several notes, just simply saying, we appreciate your service. We appreciate what you do. We appreciate uh, you serving our community. You, you don't even have to uh, uh, be a member of our church to do that. Maybe you're listening from a different state and you just say, hey, I'd like to be a part of that. Send your note in but we need you to do that this week. We need you to take that note. You can drop it off the church office. You could uh, just put it uh, several of them in an envelope and mail it to the church office. Just put on it, uh, police, uh, Toledo Police Outreach. But we need you to do that this week. We need hundreds and hundreds of notes that we can give to every single police officer. Just simply, dear Mr. Police Officer, Mrs. Police Officer, we appreciate your service. We're praying for you. We're praying for your safety. We're praying that you would uh, uh, represent our community well. We're praying for your families. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart to do or say, put it down on that piece of paper and mail it in, and we will deliver every single one of those notes. Every single uh, police officer will get a done book. Every single police officer will get a meal. And every single police officer, I'm asking if you do this as well, church, if you'd pray. If you'd pray for every single law enforcement officer, not just the Toledo Police Department, but all around, These are men and women that serve our community, that uh, need our prayer. And I'm excited about this. One reason I'm excited is because everybody can help with this. If from the smallest child to the oldest adult, everyone could write a note. Everyone could color a picture and send it into the church. Everyone can pray. And then we need people this is going to be several hundred meals and uh, uh we're going to need people to help us pick this up and deliver it downtown and distribute it to all of our police officers so this is going to be a huge undertaking but hundreds and hundreds of people could receive jesus christ as their savior hundreds of them are going to get an opportunity to hear the gospel read the gospel hundreds of them are going to get that note from you letting them know that you're praying for them. In church, I wanna make sure that we do not miss a single opportunity during this crisis to get the gospel to every single person we possibly can. We have not closed our doors. We have not stopped having church. If anything, church, and I've said this every week, and I say it again this week, if anything, what this has shown us is there is a unbelievable need to get the gospel out in our community, in our world. In church, it's our responsibility. We as Bible-believing Christians are looking at the signs of the times where we are anticipating Christ's return. We're seeing events unfold all around this world. Someone just recently asked me, "Are you going to preach on on end times and Bible prophecy?" and and um, uh, we may do that here uh, soon. But but uh, uh, we as Bible believers are excited. We we see things about the mark that they're placing on the hands and foreheads and and the chips they're going to install in human bodies, and we think that's the that's the mark of the beast. And and for some, it excites us because we know that the Lord's going to return. We, and we look for this one world currency. They, they talk about uh, getting rid of the, the, the uh, physical dollars and, and monetary system and going all digital. And, and as Bible believers, that excites us because we know there's going to be a one world economy, a one world government, uh, an antichrist that's going to come in and, and rule all of that. We, we hear of wars and we, we see people even today crying for peace. And we know that there's going to be this great cry for peace, peace peace and the antichrist is going to come and and establish his authority and bring peace with israel and with the world for those first three and a half years after christ raptures his church but also church i want you to realize this And this is what ought to motivate us. We as Bible believers, we know the end. We know that Christ is going to come, that he's going to call us, his church, to heaven. And we are going to be with him for eternity. And that excites us. But I'll tell you something that ought to, while we're still here on this earth, motivate us. There's going to be human beings, people left here during the tribulation. God's wrath is going to be poured out upon mankind because of their sin. They say this from greatest of rulers, the Bible tells us, to the, to the poorest of poor. They're not going to be able to find hope during that time. The, that great tribulation, God pours his wrath out. They're going to cry out for the mountains to fall on them. They're going, to, they're going to want to die because it's going to be such a tragedy here upon this earth. If you think over the last several weeks, things have been bad. Imagine what the tribulation is going to be like in church that ought to motivate us. Yes, I'm excited that I know I'm going to be in heaven. But I know that people that I see every day that don't know Christ as their Savior, unless they trust Christ as their Savior, they will go through that dark, miserable, awful time here upon this earth. And I want them to know Christ. So why every week are we taking and feeding people? Why are we sacrificing income? Why are we taking so much time? Because it's our responsibility, church. It's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to bring hope to the hopeless, we're called to bring peace to those that are struggling. We're we're called to 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 take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that does not know Christ. And and it starts right here in our community. Right here in our backyard. And thank you church. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for your part in allowing us to give the gospel. Every every day, every other day at 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 most, we, we get uh, letters and emails and people communicating with our church, thanking us for, for helping. We've led people to Christ. I talked to a lady this, just this past week who called and we were able to help her. And she said, you know, I've, I've been away from the Lord and, and uh, I've not been following the Lord. She says, but your care... Your church's concern and care for me and my family during this time have caused me to realize that I've gotten away from the Lord and I want to rededicate my life to serving the Lord. What a wonderful conversation that was. You're making a difference, church. I want to encourage you to continue. And so would you pray about this this huge undertaking to meet every single Toledo police officer that we possibly can and give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you help us? And please get those letters in. That's enough of that. Let's get into our Bible study here this morning. Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter 16. And uh, we are going to pick up our reading in verse number 8. Verse number 8 of Acts chapter 16. We're simply on Sunday mornings going through the book of Acts. We started in Acts chapter 1, and it's been it's been a while, and our commitment is just to study verse by verse through the book of Acts, and it's so interesting as we're learning about the New Testament church, the first century church, as we're learning about Paul and Barnabas and Silas and now Timothy, as we're learning about the day of Pentecost and and, and uh, that where Christians were first called Christians in Antioch, and they realizing their responsibility to get the gospel through the known world. We studied Paul's first missionary journey and now we come to Paul's second missionary journey. And that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16. It's interesting as we're watching and looking and reading and studying what happened some 2000 years ago. Isn't it so interesting that what we're learning applies to our life today? It it helps us see our state and our place that we're in and we can find help from God's word. God's word is a living book. It's alive. It's not just some ancient manuscript that all we do is read it to find history. We read it today to find hope for us. We read it today to find direction. And I'm really excited about what we're going to find in this passage of Scripture today here as well. In verse number six of Acts chapter 16, now when they had gone through out Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit suffereth them not. And as they Passing by Mysia came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night and stood a a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly uh, gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, I've got a map I want to show you, just simply so you can understand what is happening in Paul's missionary journey. And as you see this map here on the screen, you're going to find... What might look familiar to us, this would be, you would find uh, all the way to the right there, you'd find in the bottom corner, Jerusalem or, or Israel, you would find uh, that and just look north of that into Syria, modern day Syria, and you'd find a city by the name of Antioch. And this is where Paul began the second missionary journey. And as you follow this map, you'd see uh, Tarsus, and then you find in the beginning of this chapter where we find where Paul went to Derby and Lystra, Iconium, and you would find in that area, the, the area of Galatia, you would find north of that, uh, uh, and just to the left, just south of the Black Sea there, uh, Bithynia, you would find this is where they desired to go. You'll find on that map that Mysia and Troas, and, and, and then where we're, we're going to continue, Philippi. Those are some, some uh, names that are familiar, Philippi and Ephesus and, and Corinth. These are all places that Paul visited that he later would write an epistle to, First and Second Corinthians and Ephesians and Galatians and uh, Thessalonians. And, and as we study through this missionary journey and he goes to these places, it'll help us then as you study the New Testament, who's he writing to? To these epistles. They're, they're written to the churches that were established here in each of these places. You see here, Paul is desiring to get the gospel to Bithynia in Asia. But the Spirit of God here in this passage of scripture, Paul has a plan, but the Spirit of God has a different plan. I want you to see in verse number six and verse number seven, again, twice there in those verses, each of those verses, we find where the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost is changing Paul's plan. He's changing what maybe Paul desired to do. The Spirit of God is coming in and saying, all right, I want you to do something different. And today, today I want to study with you the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know in some denominations, in some churches, we know this, they've really uh, perverted or they've, they've uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, they've, they've got away from biblical things and, it, and for some it's become about emotions. Now, somebody being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean that they're running around acting crazy, doing flips and running through the aisles. Someone that's filled with the Holy Spirit of God is simply meaning this: they're under God's control, they're they're under His control, and 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 they're under His leading. They're being obedient to what God desires for their life. You see, it's not some emotional action, but n- rather it's a it's a state of of life that you're in where the spirit of God is directing you and guiding you and you are simply submitting to his plan the spirit of God doesn't just come upon somebody during a worship service the spirit of God that indwells you wants to lead you every second every minute every moment of your day in every situation the spirit of God doesn't come upon someone when they're in the church house the Spirit of God indwells the believer and wants to direct you in every conversation that you have. The Spirit of God dwells you and wants to direct you in the workplace, in your marriage, in parenting, in your friendships. It's not just a one-time or weekly emotional event. It's in every moment of every day, you submitting listening to the spirit of god lead you does that describe your life you see christian i'm afraid that for so many of us we live our life as christians but many of us aren't yielded to the spirit of god many of us aren't obedient to his voice because many of us aren't hearing his voice and it's not because the spirit of god is not speaking it's not because the Spirit of God is silent and doesn't care about you. For many of us, it's because we have not lived in such a way where we recognize his voice, we're yielded to his voice, and we're obedient to his voice. Paul has begun his second missionary journey. He said, the Bible tells us in verse number six, the forbidden of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in verse number seven, but the Spirit suffered them not. And what that simply means is this, that, that Paul is desiring to do something. Now, I want you to see something here in this passage of Scripture. Paul is desiring to do something good. This is not Paul saying, should I sin or should I not? This is not Paul going out and, and living this, this worldly lifestyle on his missionary journey and saying, should I live in the world or should I follow God? That's not what's happening here. Paul is on a missionary journey with the, with the intent of preaching the gospel, with the intent of taking the gospel to an unknown world, to a, a world that's never heard the gospel. Paul is desiring to take the truth. And even when Paul is desiring to do something good, he still needs to be yielded to the Spirit of God. The Bible teaches us of the Trinity. The, the Bible tells us there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1, verse number 26, the Bible says, and God said, Let us make man in our own image. There, there in the very first chapter of the Bible, it speaks of the Trinity. Who is God speaking to? He's not made man yet. God's not just referring to himself as us. The Bible says of Jesus Christ, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Bible says that the the Spirit of God came across the the face of the earth when it was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the, the faces of the deep. That was the Spirit of God. We find all the way back in the beginning. You see, the Spirit of God was not something that was created in the New Testament, Jesus wasn't someone that was created. He has always been. The Spirit of God has always been. Now, we don't always understand the Trinity. It's very difficult. People have tried to explain it, and it's hard to understand. We just simply by faith believe this, that the Bible teaches that there is three parts to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that he was going to depart, but that the Holy Spirit was going to come. He was going to send the spirit to comfort us and to guide us and to lead us. And so God is, is, is there in heaven. Jesus was born of the Virgin, came into this earth uh, as a man, but he was still hundred percent God. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. He was the payment for our sin. And he then ascended back to heaven. And he said, I'm going to be with my father, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send a comforter. The day of Pentecost came in the beginning of Acts. And and as the apostles came and they began to preach the gospel, the Bible says the the Spirit of God came upon them and they preached with boldness and began to speak in tongues. And and those that, that were there in Jerusalem that spoke different languages, they heard the gospel preached in their own language. What was that? That was the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of you the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Spirit of God takes up residence with inside of you. He's there with you every moment of every day. Acts 2, as I said, we read of the Spirit of God coming down and filling the apostles. So today, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. And I want us to not just learn something today, I want us to also apply something. And the question that I want us to ask ourselves today is simply this. Is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you and are you listening? Are you living your life as a Christian yielded to the Spirit of God? You say, am I to hear an audible voice? No, I... To be honest, I never heard this this voice out of nowhere speaking to me. The Spirit of God speaks to your spirit. He instructs you. He guides you. I can honestly say this, that when there's times of decisions that need to be made, I go to the Lord and I'll pray and I'll ask the Lord for wisdom and the Spirit of God speaks to me. You see, that sounds kind of goofy. That sounds a little mystical. No, this is God's plan for the believer to not leave you and not forsake you. He hasn't saved you and then left you here upon this earth just to live however you want to live for the next three score and 10. And then and then when you're finished living your life, you'll be with him forever in heaven. That's not God's plan. That's not what we find in the Bible. God has given you, if you're a child of God, if you've trusted Christ as your savior, he's given you his spirit. I mean, every single decision of every single day, everything you do, the Spirit of God wants to lead you and guide you. Where you live, where you work, who you marry, where you go. You see, God wants to guide you. Are you letting him? Are you walking through life just wondering, am I making good choices? Or are you living a life of faith yielded to the Spirit of God? You see, number one, I want you to write this in your heart, please. Your life has a purpose and the Holy Spirit is guiding us. Your life has a purpose and God has given you the Spirit of God to guide you. I want to say this again. Your life has a purpose. You're listening to this message this morning. Maybe you're sitting there at your dining room table, sitting on the couch. You're maybe sitting in bed. You're, you're wondering, does my life really have a purpose? Maybe this past week, trials have come, and maybe, maybe, maybe circumstances have come into your life, and, and you've actually said to yourself, is there even a purpose? Or am I just living this life? Am I just born, die, and then what is done in eternity is really what's going to matter? No, I, I want you to know this your life has a purpose. Yes, you're one of some 7 billion people alive here on this earth, but every single soul, every single human being here alive on this uh, earth matters to God. It matters so much that God sent his son to die for you so that he could forever spend eternity with you. But it's not just let's spend eternity with him. He says right here, now, upon this earth, while you're living this life, I am going to give you my spirit to dwell inside of you that is going to correct you, that's going to guide you, that's going to direct you, that's going to give you purpose and meaning to life. Your life has purpose because God put the spirit of God inside of you. And this is the thing, church. You don't have to go through aimlessly hoping that you make it. You don't have to go through wondering, is this what God desires? His spirit will lead you. His spirit will guide you. Paul and Silas and Timothy now is, is attached to this, this group. And as they're going through, verse number six says, their desire was go up into Asia and preach the gospel. But the Holy Spirit said, I, I'm not going to have you do this. I'm not going to have you go into in, in this area. Now, we don't know if it's for their protection. We don't know if, if uh, uh, necessarily why God was doing this. We just simply know that Paul and Silas and Timothy had a plan, and it was a good plan, but God had a different plan. You see, God's not going to just let you go through life hoping you made a good choice. The Spirit of God is going to help you, direct you, and show you what a good choice actually is. This missionary journey, it wasn't man's idea. It wasn't just Paul and Silas saying, we've got nothing else to do. Let's just go do good. No, this was God's idea. This was God's plan. And he was using Paul and Silas to accomplish his will. And every day you wake up, it isn't just your idea of what you're going to do. God has a plan. Listen to me, believer. Rate right today, this day, God has a plan for your life. There's something he desires for you to do. There's something he wants from you. There's a way he wants you to live. Hey, you hear me, over these last several weeks, this is why it's so important that we as a church just don't fold up and, and, and do nothing and wait this storm out because God has a plan for us. Every single person that, that uh, have, has received the gospel and heard the gospel over these last several weeks, it's because of God's plan taking care of your family and where you go and how you do it and what you say and what you do. God has a plan for your life. You see, where they went wasn't just man's idea. Although Paul and Silas, as they're obedient and go off into this missionary journey, it isn't from that point forward. Now, okay, you were obedient and you were surrendered to what God had for your life. Now go do it however you want to do it. No, they they were surrendered to do what God desired them to do. But I see something else here. They did it the way God desired for them to do it as well. How did they know the difference? The spirit of God, the spirit of God. God had a plan and Paul was a part of that plan. He wasn't the maker of the plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a will for your life. You are a part of God's plan that involves your life. You are not the maker of your plan. God is. Your life has been a plan that God has designed. Let me say this again. Your plan, your life is a plan that God has designed. The creator of this universe All the way back in Genesis 1, God said, Let there be light. And he spoke into existence with simply his words creation. He reached down and formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And from that very second, God began a plan for humankind. And not just humankind but you, individually. That's why I love that verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. You could take your, that world out and put your name there. God so loved you, specifically. You see, salvation is a plan to redeem mankind, but salvation is a plan specifically for you to be redeemed and reconciled back to God. You see, some of us as human beings, we sit and we are just thinking we're just such a small piece into this big world. Matter of fact, this world could go on and I'm of no significance. The truth is people in high public office, the president of the United States, he makes decisions every single day. And you know what? I guarantee never one time he has ever thought, I wonder what Jeremy Rands thinks. Matter of fact, if I wasn't here upon this earth, he wouldn't even know. I I don't know any world leaders of any nation, over a hundred nations in this world. Not one ruler, not one king, not one president, not one prime minister has ever made a decision with my name or my good in mind, never. And I could say then I'm not important. There's 7 billion people in the world. I only know a few thousand. The world goes on without even thinking of me. I was in India in the beginning of this year. The reality is not very many people in India knew I was even there. I went, I came home and nothing changed necessarily for the population of India. If I think about that, I say, there's really not any significance or importance to my life. Because the world just goes on and and I'm just a dot, just a person that's born and then dies. That's how I might view myself. But the reality is this, I'm important to God. You are important to God. God, the creator of this universe, Jeremiah said that while he was still in his mother's womb, God knew him. God formed him and had a plan for his life. And God has the same plan for you. He's got a plan for your life. He knows you. The Bible tells us he knows the amount of hair on your head. Now, for some, that's not very hard to to decipher. For others, that's a lot. And God knows. God has a plan for your life today. And you say, how do I know what that plan is? He's given you the spirit of God to lead you and guide you your life has a plan that God has designed. Where you work, it's important to God. You don't just look at the ads and say, all right, where do I want to work today? No, where God has you, he has you there for a specific reason. But see, when we lose sight of the reason why God has us there, when we lose sight of the purpose why God has us there, we can get frustrated. We can look at the money we make or don't make. We can look at the hours we work or aren't able to work. We look at the people we work with or those that we wish we didn't work with. We start looking at circumstances surrounding us instead of realizing that God has placed you there because he has a plan for your life. And hear me, Christian, when we step out from the plan that God has and we begin to make decisions based upon our feelings and emotion, emotions, we find ourselves in a difficult place we find ourselves getting discouraged we find ourselves getting depressed we find ourselves getting getting upset with the situations we find ourselves in instead of realizing this that god has a plan he has you where he desires you he's given you the spirit of god to lead you direct you and guide you instead of looking at the circumstances of life we've got to understand Our responsibility is simply being yielded to the spirit of God and his voice. I believe this is why Paul, as we study through this second missionary journey, Paul has a plan, I'm gonna go. The spirit of God says, no, you're not. Paul says, okay. Paul then says, we're gonna do this. And the spirit of God says, no, I'm gonna forbid you from doing that as well. And Paul and Silas, okay. And that's why Paul can find himself being stoned and realize this, I'm in the will of God. That's why Paul can find himself, we're going to read, Paul is, in this chapter, is going to be tossed in prison and he's going to be beaten and and placed in this Philippian jail. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but you know what we find? That because Paul is being yielded to the Spirit of God, he finds himself in Philippi, and he finds himself preaching the gospel, not where he wanted to go, but where God wanted him to go. And you know what he finds himself? He finds himself getting beaten. He finds himself placed in prison. He finds himself uh, just, just being uh, uh, treated very cruelly. But he was being obedient to God. But you know what he also finds is this, through all of that, because of his obedience, he has an opportunity to, an earthquake comes and he's loosed from that prison and he has an opportunity then to sit with a Philippian jailer and preach the gospel and the Philippian jailer gloriously receives Christ, And the Bible says, his entire house. Because the spirit of God said, no, you're not going to Asia. You're going to Philippi. And in Philippi, you're going to be beaten and you're going to be jailed and it's going to be miserable. But you're going to be in my will. And listen to me, Christian. Every time we find ourselves in God's will, being yielded to the spirit of God, we find God being glorified in our lives. That's my desire for us. And I hope that's your desire. Who you're married to. It matters to God. Now, many of us, we married. I I think all of us men, if you don't think this, I think you better start thinking this. You're married to the most beautiful woman in the world. Don't you love that when somebody says, I married the most beautiful woman in the world, and you're thinking to yourself, no, I did. Your wife doesn't look anything like mine. Every woman, I married the most handsome, handsomest man in the world. But we don't marry for looks. I married into wealth. We don't marry for wealth. God has a plan for you. Hear me today. Maybe you're single and you're wondering, am I ever going to come across the person that God has for my life? You will. Because God has a plan. Well, how do I find that person? The Spirit of God. You don't have to go out looking. You don't have to go out searching. You don't have to go out with your list of what you're wanting. If you stay yielded to the spirit of God, he'll lead you to the one he wants for you. Where you attend church. Boy, there's so many churches out there. Which one do I go to? God has a plan for you. You see, and when you begin to choose what you want and look for what you want, you have a great plan. Opportunity and possibility of missing what God wants. Where does God want you to worship? Where does God want you to serve? See, all these things, God has a plan. Be careful, Christian, to make plans without the consent of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, sometimes when it comes to big plans, oh, we pray. Boy, when we get sick, we pray. When, when, when things fall apart, we pray. But I would warn us today, Christian, be careful not to make plans. I, I, I'm talking every plan of your life. I'm talking about every purchase you make. I'm talking about every place that you go. You say, are you seriously that much of a fanatic that you think that every single decision in life, the Spirit of God wants to lead us? Yes because you're important to God. There's not an area of your life that God wants you to figure out on your own. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that that, uh, in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. You'll not lean not to our own understanding. You see, I have an understanding in every area of life. My life experiences, the things I read, the people I know, places I've been, the family I was raised in—I I take all of that, and it becomes my reasoning, my understanding. And I'm—I'm I'm fearful, Christian, that many of us make decisions in our life because of our upbringing, because of the things that we've read, because of the friends we associate with, because of the places we have introduced to our lives. And I want you to understand something this morning: that is your own understanding. And, and the Bible says, lean not unto your own understanding. Don't make decisions just because that's your DNA. That's who you are. That's who your parents were. That's the way I was raised. That's, that's how I just am. That, that's not how we're to do life. We're to put that away and realize this. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Listen to me, if all you needed was life experience and things you've read and places you've been and the friends you associate with, you wouldn't need the spirit of God. I believe this, all those things can mess us up in decision-making. One way you can live your life and be sure that you'll never make a mistake is every decision in your life, you let the spirit of God make it for you and you follow him. You see, you know what I find in this passage of scripture is I read verse six and verse seven and throughout these several verses we read, Paul had an idea. His, his missionary trip, the, the people that were with him had a great plan, but the spirit of God clearly leads. God will clearly lead you. His will is not something that you have to spend your life trying to find. No, it's you just need to spend your life listening and then be obedient when he clearly leads. Your emotions are not the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is. And hear me today, Christian, we need to make sure that we can decipher between the two because all of us make decisions based on our emotions. I'd love to say to you that I've never made a decision out of fear but I have. But the Bible says that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. And so when I make a decision out of fear because of my emotions, I'm not being led by the spirit of God. I'd like to say that I've never made a decision out of anger, but I have because somebody frustrates you. You make a decision, but the Bible says that The fruit of the Spirit ought to guide us and direct us. I'd like to say I'd never made a decision out of worry, but I have. And hear me today, Christian, we should never make a decision based on emotion because emotions aren't the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of God. And we need to learn to trust Him and hear His voice. We need to learn to listen. We need to learn to yield. The problem isn't the Holy Spirit isn't speaking. The problem with many Christians is we just don't identify his voice when he's speaking. In verse 6 and 7, we find this as well. There is one will, and that's the will of the Spirit or will of the Father. And the Spirit leads us to do the Father's will. Many times we think it's just about when we sin, conviction, the spirit of God, when when I go to sin, the spirit of God convicts me. That's his part in my life. No, no, it's more than that. It's when I go to to consume this or I go to uh, uh, the lust of my flesh or I I go to look at that and the Spirit says, no, don't do that. That's how many Christians view the Spirit of God in their life. The Spirit of God just tells me not to do something. The Spirit of God convicts me when I sin. When I go to do something bad, oh, the Spirit of God gets all over me. Hear me, if that's the only time the Spirit is uh, speaking to you, you're not listening because the Spirit of God is for there in your life more than just conviction. Paul and Silas and Timothy now, they're not doing anything bad here. This isn't about a conviction. This isn't Paul saying to Timothy and Silas, hey, let's go out and get ourselves into sin tonight. And we'll just ask for forgiveness and tomorrow we'll serve God. And the Spirit of God says, Paul, you can't drink that. Paul, you can't go there. Paul, you can't do that. This was about Paul. You want to do something good, but I want you to do what's best. The Spirit of God is there to direct us, not just good and evil, but He's also to direct us to do God's will. It'll be five years ago this year. I can't believe how quickly five years has gone but in the middle of September of this year, we'll celebrate a five-year anniversary as a pastor here at Mount Globe Road Baptist Church. Now, it wasn't just my desire. <laughs> to be honest with you, it wasn't my desire at all. It surely wasn't my family. We weren't looking to, to move. God orchestrated events and put some things in action. And a matter of fact, I candidated here in We left and went home and I had several phone calls. I I remember Henry Cockrell calling me saying, hey, uh, Pastor Anz, uh, the church voted yes. And what are you going to do? And I said, I don't have an answer, Henry. He said, what do you mean? I said, I don't have an answer. He said, well, when are you going to have one? I said, I don't know. A week goes by and I remember he called me and someone else even called me and said, so what's your answer? And I said, I don't have an answer. They said, well, what do you mean? What are we going to tell people? The reality was this, I was wrestling because I knew what my answer wanted to be. But I was wrestling because I didn't want my answer. I wanted God's. All of us have been in situations in our life, it's not about good and evil. It's not about necessarily sin. It's about direction. We need to be very careful, church, not to even make a good decision unless we know it's the will of God. Paul and Timothy and Silas here were making a good decision. They were going to preach the gospel in Asia. What could be so wrong about that? It only became wrong when it became not the will that God had for their life. You see, some of you today might be considering something good. You can't find the bad in it. It's not a sinful thing. But what you've got to do is realize this, the spirit of God has an answer. And it isn't about you weighing out the good and the bad, you weighing out what you want and and, and saying, there's nothing wrong with this, it must be okay. Even if it's good, if it's not of God, it's wrong. How do we know? We've got to listen to the voice of God. Is there anything wrong with preaching in Asia? No. No. But when the Spirit of God says no, it becomes wrong. Write this down and my time is done. The Spirit of God is present in our lives to reveal God's will for our lives. The Spirit of God is present in our lives to reveal God's will for our lives. Right now, some of you are facing decisions in your life. Every one of of these decisions you're facing has an answer. And the answer is not going to be found through you weighing good and bad, for you weighing out the pros and the cons. Right now, the answer is going to be had and found by you listening to the voice of the Spirit of God that dwells inside of you. Father, help us today. Help us today to understand your Spirit. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to make decisions Not through flesh, not through emotion, because your spirit is leading us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church, for watching today. I want to thank you for participating and watching in our online service today. I hope that the music and that the message was helpful to you. One of the most important things that we do here at our church is we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus didn't say that he was a way. He said he was the way. We believe that the Bible teaches that there's only one way to eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for our sins. He shed his blood. The Bible says that an atonement or a shedding of blood must be made so that our sins could be forgiven. The Bible teaches us this, that every single man, every single woman is born into this world a sinner. Matter of fact, it says this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible goes on to say that God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died so that you and I could have our sin debt paid for. God desires to spend eternity with you in heaven. And the only way that can happen is go by His plan, the the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. I pray that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. But if you have never repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do that today. You can simply do that by praying and asking God to save you, to come into your heart, to give you everlasting life, repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, I pray that you'll do that today. May the Lord bless you.